The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, well, good to see you here this morning. Glad that you could be here. Let's all stand, take your Bibles, turn with you to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we'll read verses beginning at verse 13. We'll read through to verse 20 if you'll follow with me silently as I read. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, we come before you this morning with humility. Father, we're so thankful for your love for us. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we're unworthy of of anything, Father, you give us your grace and good favor. And Father, you show us mercy by not giving us the things that we do deserve, judgment and punishment. Father, we love you, not as we should, but we do love you and we ask that you would teach us to love you as we ought to love you. I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice today would, would see you the way that you want us to see you. And we would know you the way that you want us to know. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for these things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now to fully understand what's going on in, in this scripture that we just read, we, we would actually have to go back. To verse 1. So let's just look at verse 1 real quickly. We see here in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came. And tempting. Desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Here in in this passage of scripture that we we read just just now and a moment ago. We see the Pharisees. And the Sadducees. These These are the religious leaders of the day. And they have come before Jesus and they are questioning Jesus. They're questioning his authority from God. And they've come to him saying, show us a sign. In Matthew 16.1 we just read that's from, from the Pharisees. Show a sign from heaven. Now, this perfectly parallels our society today. We live in a society where scientific theories as extravagant as they are, are readily accepted as fact. 
I mean, scientists can find a tooth. They can find a chip of a bone. They claim from millions of years ago, and they can build an entire beast out of it, and they can, they can tell you what it ate, what its last meal was, and, and, and how it died, and all these things. They have formulated this, these theories that date back 14 billion years, although the Bible, his Bible record of the earth is between 10 and 12,000 years. And all these extravagant theories, <laughs> they're accepted as fact. But talk about scripture, talk about the Bible, and people look at you as if you're some kind of nutcase. Paul mentioned this in Romans chapter 1, in the 22nd through 25th verses, we read, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. <laughs> I, I like science. I enjoy science. And every now and then I'll sit down and I'll watch a science program on TV. And I was watching one just recently. It was entitled, How the Universe Works. And one of these, one of these scientists over in, I think it was over in Berkeley, is on TV and said, we are children of the stars. We owe our life to the stars. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not a child of the stars. Although some people say I'm a ball of hot gas. I don't know. But we're not children of the stars. We're children of God. We had a creator. We had a designer. We had a builder. It perplexes me how men can be so foolish. As Paul stated, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Now, Scripture clearly states in Psalm 14 and verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They've done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. <coughs> Yet because these men tout great education, and because they have a string of acronyms following their names, they have their name, then they'll have BS, BS, MBA, MS, PhD. Because they have all these little acronyms that mean that they've been, they've been taught all these great things, men allow them carte blanche when hearing and receiving their doctrines. But allow a meek and a sincere man of God to stand up in his pulpit and preach the doctrines of grace. To stand up and proclaim, thus saith the Lord, and the world will mock him in derision. And even some of the very elect will be shaken by such challenging to God's word. We read in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Even, even some of God's people are shaken in their faith by the, by the statements and by the, by the theories of these men. 
But we are admonished to be strong in our faith. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2 we read, That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, Paul writes that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Men and women such as this are the ones shaping the minds of our youth today. I'm talking about in the governmental schools. See, I don't call them public schools. Although they're open to the public, they're not public schools, they're government schools. They're being indoctrinated into the, into the philosophies of our government today, which happens to be secular humanism. And if you, if you really want to know what they're teaching your children and your grandchildren in our schools today, go to Google. Everybody, everybody loves Google, right? Go to Google and type in secular humanist manifesto and you will be shocked by what you will see. And this is the, this is what your children are being indoctrinated into today in our public schools. And yea, even some of our quote unquote Christian schools today are following the same lines of doctrine. They're teaching and promoting these doctrines of secular humanism to your children, destroying the very fabric of their faith, even right under our noses. This is happening. You are here this morning. Congratulations. You did the right thing by getting out of bed and coming to church to worship God. And you did the right thing this morning by bringing your children, by making them come with you. However, if your children attend one of these government schools, they will spend approximately 7 hours per day, 35 hours per week, 1,400 hours per year, under the doctrines of the secular humanists. That's a long time, 1,400 hours. On the other hand, if you are completely faithful to attend every possible service of the church, they will only spend approximately 156 hours per year under the influence of preaching. That's, that's a big gap, isn't it? 1,400 hours being indoctrinated by the secular humans, 156 hours giving the preacher to try to undo what's been done. Now, given this, what are the odds that they will be negatively influenced by the doctrine of the secular humanists? I think the odds are pretty good. This is why we have a generation of young people who, who are growing up with no respect for life, no respect for people, no respect for the, for the church, no respect for the Bible, no respect for God. They are being taught the exact opposite of everything God wants them to know. And this brings me to the subject of my message this morning. What say ye of Jesus? In our text passages this morning, we see that Jesus departed from the Pharisees and Sadducees and went apart with his disciples. We also see that they forgot bread. They didn't bring any bread with them. And this bread represents nourishment, represents strength, represents health. All products of good doctrine. All products of good teaching, good preaching. So Jesus used this opportunity to warn them against the corrupt beliefs and teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then he follows up this teaching by asking them a question. Look again in Matthew 16 and look at verse 13 with me. 
When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? This morning, as we sit in this place, there are three main schools of thought concerning Jesus. And I'd like to take the time this morning and look at them. And as we look at them, you answer the question for yourself this morning. What say ye of Jesus? Well, let's examine these three schools of thought. The first one is this. Jesus was merely a man. The first school of thought I want to talk about this morning is Jesus was merely a man. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13 together. Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 13, just a few pages. And we'll begin reading at verse 54. We read here, And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished, and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not with all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him, because Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Here we, we, we come to this place and we see that the, the people that knew Jesus growing up viewed him as merely another man. Who does he think he is? What, is he, what does he think he's talking about? We know him. We know his mother. We know his father. We know what his father did. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. He's just a man. He's nothing special. He's just a man. There's an old saying. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Maybe some of you haven't. But the saying is this. Familiarity breeds. Anybody know the next word? Contempt. The more familiar you are with something, the more contemptible it is to you. And Jesus confirmed this thought by saying, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. We must remember, Jesus told Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. The ability to comprehend and see Jesus as more than a mere man, the ability to acknowledge and accept him as the one true God, requires spiritual discernment. However, not all men have spiritual discernment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 we read, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You may be sitting here this morning and you may be thinking, everything you are saying is foolishness to me. It makes no sense at all. And that is because you lack spiritual discernment. Because you lack the Spirit of God in your life. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, then you know what I'm saying is true. And how do we know this? Well, John tells us in chapter 10 of his Gospel, verses 25 through 28, Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, 
As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Oh yes, if, if you cannot receive preaching such as this without disagreement and, and, and without understanding, then deceive not yourself. You are none of his. You are like the Pharisees and Sadducees who said, give us a sign. But no sign will be given. Are you, are you among those this morning that see Jesus as a mere man? Just someone else who walked the earth? Then be ye warned today. In Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 20, we read, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But it doesn't end there. There is a solution to this problem. In Ezekiel, the very next verse, he states in verse 21, But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 6, in verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, there is hope this morning for even the one here who knows not God. For that one here this morning who knows Jesus simply as a mere man, your hope rests in Jesus Christ. Receive him and be saved today. But there is a second group here today. The second group is those who say Jesus was a talented teacher. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, please. Matthew chapter 19, and these are familiar verses, but let's look at it real quickly. Matthew 19, we'll begin in verse number 16. And behold, one came and said unto me, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell thy, that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This man represents the second group, the second uh, discipline of, of, of belief this morning. And while the second group is a step above the first group, only because they see Jesus as a spiritual man, they too are still bereft of a savior. He represents the opinion that Jesus was merely a teacher of spiritual truth and not the author of it. Of this young man and, and those of people who are in this group, I can say three things. First, I can say he came to the right person. 
In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This, this rich young ruler came to the right person. There's only one way to the Father, and that way is through Jesus, the Son. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Allah. Allah may have been a teacher. And we can argue that point, but he may have been a teacher. But he lies in a grave this morning. Buddha. Buddha was a teacher. He was, appeared to be a much better eater than teacher, but he was a teacher. But he too, the way of all men. And I got no room to talk about Buddha, trust me. But this morning, you can't find the tomb of Jesus. You might find a hole in the ground that some men say he was in, but we can't find Jesus' tomb today. Why? Because he's not there. He's not in a tomb. This young man was blessed enough to live in the right period of history. And he was blessed enough to live in the right geographical location. And he was blessed enough to be able to find the right person. But he did not understand who it was that stood before him. He did not see Jesus as the living God. He merely saw him as a teacher. But secondly, about this young man, we can say this. He did ask the right question. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 30, we read, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what might I do to be saved? We all know the story of the Philippian jailer, right? Paul and Silas singing in the prison at midnight. The Lord sent an earthquake, broke loose their bonds, and broke open all the doors within the prison. And the jailer came in, thinking that all of them had escaped and was about to commit commit suicide, take his own life, because it would be more merciful than what the magistrates would do to him. And as he was about to kill himself, Paul called from his prison cell and said, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And this man was astonished. Yeah, obviously this man had heard the preaching of Paul in the prison. I'm sure Paul preached to this man, witnessed him, and he heard the singing and the joy they had. Even in their bondage, he heard the joy of God's people. And then we see in verse 30, he brings them out and says, What must I do to be saved? He asked the right question. Now, the first group this morning does not get to the point of asking how to be saved, primarily because they are unspiritual and never think of heaven. But this second group is at least concerned about heaven. They just don't know where to find it. The same was true of Nicodemus. Let's go to John chapter 1 together. Turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 1. I'm sorry, John chapter 3, not John chapter 1. John chapter 3. And look at verses 1 through 3. Here we read, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. That's his error. Jesus is not a teacher come from God. Jesus is God. Thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I send to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus uh, was confused here. And this young, this young man, this rich young ruler, had heard of a great teacher. He just didn't know, see who really, who in reality he was. He asked the right question. He just thought he already knew the answer. When, when Jesus gave him the answer to his question, he said, all these I've kept. I've done all these things. He, he asked the right question. He just thought he already knew the answer. He was, what he was looking for was in the, in the sight of all men around him. He was looking for Jesus to praise him and validate him. And so often this is what men want. They want to be, they want to be exalted and lifted up and praised for what they've done. He asked the right question. But then, lastly, I want you to see, he drew the wrong conclusion. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 22, we read, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now listen to me this morning. When we hear counsel and reject that counsel, it is simply because we lack the proper respect for the person giving us the counsel. This young man believed he had already done all that needed to be done to, to gain eternal life. He did not think that he needed a savior. Therefore, he did not view Jesus as anything more than a teacher. This is a mistake of two of the biggest cults in this world today. Now, if, if what I'm about to say offends you, I'm sorry. But as I said, I'm not sorry for what I say. The two largest cults in this world is the Roman Catholic Church and the Mormon Church. And both of those churches failed to see Jesus as the Savior, as Jared preached earlier today. And so it is with most people who profess to be Christians. You know, it's said 90% of the world claims to be a Christian. But if that's true, why does 80% of them fail to honor God? Why does 80% of them fail to see Jesus as anything more than a teacher? They fail to see who Jesus is. They see him as a man from God, but not as God in the flesh of man. This group suffers from the same affliction as the first group. They do not have the spirit of God, therefore they cannot perceive spiritual truth. But what can you do? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, where he states, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the first thought today is Jesus is merely a man. The second thought is that Jesus is a talented teacher. And then thirdly, the school of thought that I want to talk about is Jesus is the sovereign Savior. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16 again, right where we started. Matthew 16, and we'll begin in verse number 15. 
He saith unto him, But whom say ye that I am? That's a good question. Who do you say Jesus is this morning? Is he merely a man? Is he just a teacher? Or is he the sovereign Savior? Verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. If this is your testimony this morning, then rejoice and be ye glad. For as Jesus said, my Father hath revealed it unto you. Blessed art thou, Simon Borjona, for flesh and blood hath not. And by the way, flesh and blood cannot reveal it unto you. Only the Father, only the Spirit of God can reveal to the heart of man that Jesus is the Christ. I could stand, I could stand for the next 25 years, if I lived that long, and preach about Jesus. And unless the Holy Spirit of God moves upon the heart of men, I will just be making noise. That's all I'll be doing. What greater joy could we possibly have this morning than to be the elect child of God? To know that we have been chosen. Not that we chose to be saved, but that God chose to save us. For in John 15, 16, he writes, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Listen, this morning, if, if you hear my voice, and if you know in your heart, if you know in your heart that you are saved, that you are a child of God, then rejoice because God has chosen you to be saved. Not because there's anything in you worthy of saving, simply because his will was to save you. Now, if you are in this group this morning, you should behave like it. If you are a child of God, if you are in the group that sees Jesus and knows Jesus, as the sovereign savior, then live your life as if you do. Behave like it. Act like it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12 we read, As ye know how we exhorted and com- com- comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 now, and this will be the last time you have to turn to a scripture this morning. And I stress this morning, because we're going to be turning to some tonight too. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin reading at verse number 28. Herein we find the greatest outline for Christian living that you can find. Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin in verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is crafted in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 
Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He gives us some points there. First, he says, put off the old man and live in the new creation. Stop living like an unsaved man. Stop doing the old habits. Listen, some of God's children bind themselves to worldly habits. This ought not be done. This ought not be named among Christ's children. Uh, Next, he says, put away lying and speak truth. Put away wrath. And dwell in peace. Listen, we're all, we're all in the same family. I, I got a news alert for you. I'm going to be in heaven. And if you're going to be there too, we're going we're we're to have, have to look at each other every, every, for all eternity. If you don't like me, you best start learning how. Because I'm not giving up my seat in heaven. And you're not going anywhere either. So let us learn to put away our wrath and let us learn to dwell in peace. Put away stealing and live in honesty. Be honest in all things. Speak with grace and not with guile. Listen, aren't you even afraid to speak ill of another, of another person? The Bible says that even Michael the archangel would not raise an accusation against Satan. We think nothing of, of, of chewing each other up and backbiting each other and saying hurtful things about each other. And let me remind you, when you do that, you're taking the place of the devil. What did the devil do concerning Job? He went to, he went to God to what? Accuse him before God. And when we start tearing each other apart, when we start criticizing, when we start naming each other and labeling each other as hypocrites and this and that, we are doing what Satan does. Speak with grace and not with God. You know, I, my daddy used to say, if you don't have something good to say about a person, don't say anything at all. I wish I would have lived that my whole life. Unfortunately, I have to stand here and say I haven't. But you know, my daddy is 87 or 88 years old today. I've never heard my daddy say a negative word about another person. Ever. Maybe he has, but he didn't do it in front of me. And then be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. This is, this is the way God's children live. We live in the new creation. We speak the truth. We dwell in peace with all men. We live honestly. We, 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 we serve no guile. We're kind. We're tenderhearted. And we're forgiven. This is the way we ought to live our lives. So, which group are you in today? Well, my prayer is that all of us in this room are in group three. But if not, 
If you are in group number one or group number two, do not leave this place this morning without receiving Christ as your sovereign Savior. When we close in just a moment, men will stand in the back of the auditorium prepared to speak with you about about salvation. You can come to me. Don't leave here today without knowing Jesus as your Savior. Quit living in the, in, the, in, the, in the school of thought that Jesus was merely a man. He was not just merely a man. He was God in the flesh of man. Stop living with the school of thought that Jesus was just here to teach. He is not here just here to teach. He did teach us, but he is here to seek and to save that which was lost. See him this morning as the sovereign Savior. If you are in group three this morning, then live your life worthy of your father. You know, the, you know one of the beautiful things about God? God is, he always is ready to forgive you. And he's always ready to cleanse you. And as his children, when we make mistakes, we can come to him and we can, we can submit ourselves to him and we can, we can ask for his cleansing and he will cleanse us. And we, he will give us a chance to get up and start right. So this morning, if you haven't been living right, stop it. Confess to God your need for, for his wisdom in your life. Confess to him that you've walked foolishly. And determine in your heart to start walking and living as his child should live and walk. And trust in his grace to do so. Live your life worthy of the Father. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Father, we, we are foolish men. We don't, we don't know nearly as much as we think we know. We're not nearly as righteous as we want to be. We fail. We fall. But Lord, we know that you love us and we know that you'll cleanse us and that you'll pick us up and you'll help us to do right. So we submit ourselves to you now this morning. Father, if there's any here today that see Jesus as merely a man, I pray you'd open their eyes. If there's any here who see him as only as a teacher, I pray you'd, you'd give them wisdom. Help them to see who Jesus is. That they could stand as Peter and say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Thank you for this time we've had now. I pray you bless the preaching of your word. Speak to our hearts and cause us to do the things we ought to do. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for these things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.